Wonderful, excellent. Well, it's um, lovely to be here to share the Word of God with you this morning. So today, we are finishing off the series that we've been doing on 40 Days with Jesus. And I don't know about you, I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, It's been a great time of looking at the 40 days where Jesus rose from the dead, that wonderful, exciting Easter Sunday morning, to 40 days later, when what happens? He ascends to heaven. Thanks, Steve. He ascends to heaven. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting day, really, because I've never really thought much about the day of ascension. I grew up in an Anglican church, and that would have been part of the church calendar. But I don't have much memories of it. But actually, it's quite a celebration. It's quite a, a special day in the church calendar. This year, it fell on, on Thursday, this last week. And so from Thursday, for 10 days, it's where thy kingdom come, the 10 days comes from, the day of ascension to the day of Pentecost. And it's those 10 days of praying for God's spirit to come. You know, it must have been an exciting moment for those disciples in that upper room or in the temple, just praising God for Jesus, that he is risen, and waiting for that day for the Holy Spirit to come in power and to rest on them. What, a, what an interesting time that must have been, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. So today I just want to uh, spend a bit of time looking at the actual Ascension, what it means for us. What is the significance of this um, particular event? So, let's begin. I've totally done a totally different introduction, but that's okay. The ascension, if you like, is the concluding scene of the whole play. Do you like going to see plays? I love plays. I love a bit of Shakespeare. I don't understand all of Shakespeare, but I love a bit of Shakespeare. I went to the, um, I was part of the Shakespeare Society when I was at university and used to drive the minibus down to see the many productions down in Stratford from Birmingham. But the ascension, if you like, is the concluding scene of the play that is the redemptive story of Jesus' life on earth. From when he was born in Bethlehem to this moment he ascends to heaven. Jesus had finished all that he came to earth to do. He said on the cross, it is finished. But his ascension to heaven was the finished work of all that he came to earth to do. He had come to show us the way to know God. And this was done. The ascension makes way for a new people of God, a people of both Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, sick and healthy, the tall, the short. In fact, people from every tribe and nation across the world to come to know the great promises of this true and faithful God. That in fact, anyone who would trust 
in the risen power of Jesus, anyone will rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. They will. That's the truth. And they will know victory. They will know hope. And they will know eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life free from pain and suffering. Jesus made way for this new body of people where God's temple is no longer a building, but it's a bunch of people like you and me. A bunch of people where God dwells in our hearts. It's exciting, isn't it? God dwelling in the hearts of man. The God of all creation, the God of all wonder, of all power, dwelling in you and me. We are that people. What a glorious group of people to be joined with. The truth is that we reflect the great glory of God as we put our trust and our faith in him. So the question is, what are the implications does the ascension, Jesus going to heaven, have for you and me today. Now, I want to look at three things. And to be honest with you, these three things are quite straightforward. I think as a church, there are three things that we do look at from time to time. And actually, in many ways, all I'm really going to talk about today is the Trinity. I'm going to talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because Jesus going to heaven, firstly, has meant that we have a new connection with the Father. Jesus opened the door to our understanding of what it it means to know God as Father. A Father who is perfect in love, full of grace and mercy, particularly when we mess up and make mistakes, which we do do from time to time. A Father who continually embraces us, and calls us his own. We're now his children because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We are now forgiven because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are now free to be who we're called to be because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection and his ascension. You know, we've talked a lot here at River Church about God as Father In fact, we did a series about the Father heart of God in 2015, which feels like only yesterday, but I can't believe that was three years ago. But I think this is a a wonderful truth to know God as our Father that we need to be reminded of again and again and again. Because, you know, it's something that I think, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but we find it hard to accept and believe that we have a loving Father that is completely accepting and just wants to love us. No conditions. I don't know about you, but as a human father, I know there are times I put conditions on my own children. But we have a loving Father who doesn't put any conditions. He just accepts us. He wants us to know his love and acceptance. We're adopted each and every one of us, that as we receive Jesus into our hearts, we are born 
into God's family. We have a certificate of adoption that can't be taken away. You know, it's a, it's a family birthright that we don't deserve. But because of Jesus, we've received it. We've received a birthright that means we have eternal life with our Heavenly Father. You know, there, there may be times when we want to do something to justify it for ourselves. You know, yet we cannot do anything to earn it. It's a gift. But you know, the great thing is we can receive it. Sometimes we find it hard, don't we, to receive gifts. But this is a gift, an eternal gift that God has for each and every one of us to know and accept that gift of sonship and become children of God. Thanks, Steve, for reading that passage this morning about adoption. You know, God wants to remind us that we are his children and he is our father. Are you here today and never received this gift of knowing God as your father? J.I. Packer, who's a teacher and writer, he said this, To know God as our father... Our almighty, loving Father is the highest, richest, and most rewarding aspect of our whole relationship with him. A huge difference with all other religions and belief systems, Christianity is based on the finished work of Jesus, which enables us to have an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. Amen? You know, there's an account of a conversation between Jesus, Thomas, and Philip. And uh, we find it in John 14. And so what I want to do is just have a a quick look at that um, for a moment with you. And um, in this account, Thomas says to Jesus, he says this, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So this is a long time before the ascension. But already they're talking about Jesus needing to go. And do you know what Jesus answers? Some of the biblical scholars amongst us will be straight away. With Jesus' answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A few murmurs amongst us. Okay, Jesus, in response to Thomas's request, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on to say this, no one comes to the Father except through me. It seems an interesting way to explain the answer to the question, we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, it's an interesting that, that Jesus is referring to his Father, the only way to know his Father is through Jesus. So we can have this intimate relationship with our Father in heaven The only way is through Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He then goes on to say, if you really know me, you would know my father as well. He implies in this passage, let's just have a quick look at it. He says, "Um, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
You know, Jesus implies that he's going back to be with his father and that the only way to, as we've just said, to know his father is through himself. You know, Philip, who I don't think listens very well, I don't think there are times when we all don't listen very well, but in this particular passage, he says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus explains in perfect patience that if you see me, you will see the Father. If you encounter Jesus, you encounter the Father. You know, the Father and Jesus are one. Although they have different in their roles, they are identical in their character. Although they are different in their roles, they are identical in their character. You know, Jesus also finishes in this passage with, um, you may ask anything in my name and I will do it. You know, I don't know what it's like with your own children, but when they ask you for something, it's very difficult to say no, because we love them. We love them. And similar with our Father in heaven, we ask him for things and he will do his utmost, do his utmost to satisfy to meet our needs and to see those things outworked so that it may bring glory to the Father and to the Son. Jesus goes on then in the book of John in the next second part of this chapter to then explain the coming of the Holy Spirit where he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says in verse 19, Before long the world will not see me anymore, talking of the ascension, but you will see me because I live, live, and you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. What a wonderful promise, eh? Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus is still here with us by his Spirit. Now he goes on to say, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. We're not left alone. The Father in heaven had a plan for all of creation. And his plan was to unite us with him. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to mean there's nothing that can separate us from us and God. And then when Jesus ascends to heaven, 10 days later, he sends his Holy Spirit to be with us, to be our counsellor, to teach us all the things that God wants to teach us. You know... It's interesting because I don't know what your week's been like this week, but there are moments when we have bad weeks, we have good weeks, we have bad days, we have good days. But there have been times this week when I have just felt really down. And you know, I can't explain it. Sometimes you have that. Do you get those moments? But you just have those moments. It just comes like a wave. And I've sought to understand it, even to be free from it. But it just comes. You know, and the thing is, with these feelings, I can't even blame it on shower panels. (laughs) But, you know, when it comes, I look to my Father in heaven 
I look to his assurance, his grace, his strength, and you know, peace comes. It comes because of that connection I have with my Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit. You know, I read something this week from um, Desiring God, and I sign up to their Facebook feed. You know, I'm not a technical person, but um, the one social media thing I do have is Facebook. And um, if you do sign up to Facebook, then, you know, following Desiring God is a, is a very worthwhile thing to do because they have some wonderful insights into things of God. It's a, um, a John Piper, if you've heard of John Piper, it's um, the, the, what minister, the ministry they have out of their church um, in the States. And this particular post um, reminded me that the first port of call of any believer when you might have moments where you're doubting or fear or, as I was, just down, the first port of call is that of thankfulness. Thankful for anything that you can think of in your day, in the beginning of your day or the end of the day, wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in. But offering up prayers of thanks to God can bring great peace to your heart. You know, for me, it was like, sweet honey to the soul as I started thanking God, first of all, for my life, for my house, for my children. The peace of God came and it was a great blessing. You know, I think sometimes we forget the simple things and actually it's the simple things that bring us into that great closeness to God. Do you know God as Father today, as your heavenly Father you know, it's, it's amazing that the, Jesus taught us how to pray. And what does he start with? Our Father. Our Father. You know, we, were, um, we had the Epsom Alpha course this week. And uh, one of the discussions that we had was interesting about, interestingly about this very thing, about our Father God. And one of the guys who's um, not a Christian, he said, um, he said, I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer this week. And I got to our Father and I just had to stop. You know, there's something very amazing about a father who loves us unconditionally. Are you aware of this loving and reassuring embrace of a loving heavenly father? Charles Spurgeon said once, Charles Spurgeon was, he's not alive anymore, unfortunately. I'd love to meet him. He led a church in London and, uh, and he's a great hero of mine. And he said this, The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which ever can engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings and the existence of the great God whom he calls his father. He has a great way of putting things into uses lots of good words. You know, there have been men in my life who I would say have played a heavenly father figure. You know, and each of those people have pointed me to the heavenly father on high. Do you have people in your life that point you to this wonderful heavenly father? Are there people you could seek out, that you trust, 
who would help you to go deeper in knowing and experience God as Father for yourself. So, ascension has paved a, a way for a new connection with our Heavenly Father. My second point is this, which relates to, our, to the Son. We now have a new identity in Jesus. So we not only have this access, relationship with God, the Father, we've been given a new identity. It means that all that Jesus is and was and will be now also belongs and is true for each one of us. Our identity can be found in him. Now again, over time as a church, you know, we've looked at, uh, in, in a lot of detail, who we are in Christ. But what does it actually mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, it means quite a number of things that we read of in the Bible that we can learn from. Firstly, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It means that we are completely accepted, that we are secure in Christ, that we have significance to God as we trust and believe in Jesus. In Jesus, we are a chosen people. Isn't that wonderful? You know, at Bellsize on Friday, the lady we get to play piano, she has her daughter with her, a granddaughter. And, um, and it was really funny because I bought this balloon as an illustration. And for most of my talk, she was playing with this balloon. But she was having so much fun, she was making lots of noise. And it was um, quite interesting trying to speak above her. But you know, I love it when I see children just enjoying themselves and being free to be who they're called to be. You know, children are great, aren't they, at being relaxed and just being who they want to be. You often see that with my own children. And that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, sometimes God calls us to do that, to be free, to break out of the mold that we can put ourselves into sometimes. And in knowing who you are in Jesus... It's part of breaking out of that mould that sometimes other people put us into or we put ourselves into. Knowing who we are in Jesus is very, very important to outworking God's purpose for our lives. You know, it forms the foundation of how you outwork your Christian life. You know, my encouragement to us is let's be a people who are secure in our worth in Christ. You know, so that when we step out in faith, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a people who step out in faith every day. You know, are there moments that you're experiencing that stepping out in faith? And the more secure we are of who we are in Christ, then when we step out in faith, you know, when Satan tries to trip us up, and he will do, he'll try and trip you up. Oh, that went really badly, didn't it? Oh, that, you, you know, you're a failure because that didn't work. You know, Satan will try and trip you up the moment you try and step out in faith. But you know that if you're, the more secure you are in who you are in Christ, your identity in him, that you are securely loved, that when he tries, he'll miss. You'll see his legs sticking out and then you'll just walk straight over it. He won't. He hasn't got a hold on you when you are in Christ, when you know who you are. You know, we can talk quite a lot, I think, about the spiritual battle that we face. But I wonder how much we engage with it. You know, one of the things that 
I feel God's been speaking to me about, is how much do I believe that my prayers will and do make a difference? You know, the enemy is very much wanting to me to believe that my prayers don't make a difference. But prayers are the most powerful thing at our disposal as Christians. They're like a sword in our hand every time we wield that weapon. When we pray into a situation and believe that God will make a difference. How much do we believe that our prayers make a difference? Why should my prayer make a difference? What's so special about me? You know, I don't know. Easy, we could think, but, you know, I'm a nobody. My prayers won't make any difference. But our prayers are the most powerful thing at our disposal. You know, I was praying for Abby uh, this week, and... um, there was this one time she had a headache and she'd had it for over 24 hours. And I was praying and I remember thinking and I just thought, would you like me to, I said to her, would you like me to pray for you? And I prayed for her and thought nothing of it. And then she texts me, um, I think it was the following day, and she says, oh, by the way, you know you prayed for me, my headache went. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was really surprised. And we shouldn't be surprised. When we pray, God hears You know, Bill Johnson um, suggests that every testimony that we say about God's goodness and God's power and God's work is a prophetic declaration, releasing the authority and power for the miracle to be reproduced. I really believe that. When we have testimonies here at the front, it releases faith that God is doing something mighty and wonderful amongst us. And it releases the faith for it to happen elsewhere. You know, um, we read of Gideon in the Bible, and probably most of us know who Gideon is. He was a man um, from the least tribe, the least of the least tribe. And he had a time like when he felt like, who am I that God would use me? He felt very little of himself. But you know what God did? God raised him up. God raised him up. He started with lots of men as well to help him defeat the Midianites. And slowly God strips away, so you don't need that many. You've got me. Slowly, one thing by thing, I mean, it went to a, I mean, a strange way to select people to fight by whoever laps water and never drinks from their hands. But he reduced the number to 300. And Gideon defeated the Midianites because he had God with him. We have each got God with us. As children of God, God goes with us. You know, not believing God in what he says can be a great stumbling block for us. But God is faithful. He does hear our prayers and he does act on them. Our prayers really do make a difference. You know, I am hungry and thirsty for more of God. I am so thirsty to see more of God outworked in my life and the community around me. I want to step out in faith more. I do. You know, I want to see more of God outworking in my life. I really want to see the streets of this borough filled with people praising and glorifying God. I do. That's my heart's cry. 
I want to see more of God's power in my life, in my family, in this church. You know, one of the things that, um, talking of the Epsom Alpha, I invited two couples from my road. Um, there's a couple of parents of a friend at, church, uh, at school and just a couple who live a few doors up. I invited them to the um, Alpha course and both couples said no. You know, but it won't stop me asking again. In fact, it's given me that confidence to ask more people next time. Because I know that the gospel is the hope for my neighbours. The gospel is the truth that will help them find freedom from fear, from pain, from suffering. They will find wonderful hope as they put their trust in Jesus. I know the gospel is the hope for this nation. Now, even last night when I hear about what happened in Paris, it breaks my heart. But I know that there is hope and that hope is found in Jesus. It may sound like a strange prayer, but my prayer is that more of us will come to the front and sh- or even in life groups, share testimony of people saying no when we invite them on Alpha. Because what that does is a testimony that we're getting out there and actually inviting people and actually asking our friends that the gospel has gripped us so much that we will embarrass ourselves or we will just take the rejection when people say no. You know, I would love it. 10 or 20 people. I've invited somebody on Alpha and they've said no. Hallelujah. For one day that we would get somebody to the front and they say, you know, I invite somebody and they said yes. And we have an Alpha course because people, because, well, because we are getting out there and inviting people on the Alpha. It might not even be the Alpha. You know, if you want, you know, you could run an Alpha in your home. You really could. That's quite easy. They're videos. You just play a video and you lead a discussion. If you want to run an alpha, if you feel passionate about evangelism, about witnessing, about people coming to know Jesus, then come and talk to me or Steve. We'd love to see that happen. Talk to your life group leader. Say to your life group leader, come on, let's do an alpha. You know, I've been really stirred. I want to see my friends come to know about Jesus because I know that he is the hope of my street, of my nation, of my community. You know, we begin our week of prayer this week alongside the um, Thy Kingdom Come. And you can sign up to their daily alerts on your, on your phone. And they have some great resources. They have videos, they have short bits of passages you can read um, of writing. And there's a little bit at the end, and it says this, pray for five. But the great thing, it just reminds you every day to pray for five people. Pray for five people to come and know Jesus as their saviour. And it makes it slightly different each day. Pray that those five people will know God's forgiveness. It was this morning's. Who are you praying for today to come to know God as Father, to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? Paul says to the um, Ephesian church, 
There is an incomparable great power for us who believe. The power, in fact, that raised Jesus from the dead. That power dwells in each of us. Paul also says that Jesus is seated above all, rule, authority, power and dominion, not only now, but forever. That's Jesus. But Paul also says that we are also raised up with Christ and are seated with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Quite a strange idea, particularly as physically we are still here on earth. But there is a spiritual dimension that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, that we are in him that we are in Christ, that all authority and power that is in Christ is in us. During the 40 days, we saw people greatly impacted by the risen Jesus. Their hearts were changed. We see the disciples' reaction in Luke 24. So the disciples, if you remember, when we started this series, they, the disciples were, were like totally disheartened. You know, Jesus had died. But throughout this series, we've seen Jesus encounter each person, Mary, Peter. Um, we've seen the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And every one of them was impacted and changed because they encountered Jesus. Now, Jesus was just one person. And although he was able to go from one place to the other, he was only one person. And in God's plan... As Jesus ascended, God sent his Holy Spirit so that we could all experience and know Jesus for ourselves. This group of disciples, they went from being dejected and hopeless individuals to a joyful, confident and praising company of believers full of hope and expectation of who God and what he could do. And let's just just read this for a moment. So Luke 24, verse 50. It says this, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I don't know how you react when somebody you love leaves you. I think it's, it could be quite sad. But here we have the disciples, they were sad when Jesus died, but Jesus came back and he met with them. And what happened is they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. There's something that happened in their hearts where they saw something of the great plan of God. They saw something of God's redemption story for themselves that actually it wasn't the end that Jesus was going to come back, that Jesus was going to send his Holy Spirit. They had great joy. They had an eternal perspective of God's plan for them and for us. So they went back to the temple to worship, where they worshipped for 10 days, praising God. The Holy Spirit then came on the day of Pentecost. I'm going to read that now, just to remind us of what happened on that moment. 
It's in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit is here today. The Holy Spirit enables each and every one of us to know Jesus for ourselves. Jesus is here by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to dwell in every heart of every believer. So following the day of Pentecost, Jesus now reveals himself to us in our hearts through the Holy Spirit as we put our trust in him. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Hallelujah. So, my question for you, and band, if you, if you are here, yes, there we are, um, please come up. My question for us, firstly, have you invited Jesus into your hearts? Do you know Jesus as your saviour? If you're not sure, then my encouragement to you today is to invite him into your heart for the first time. If you know that you are a believer, if you know that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, but you are dry, you are desperate for more of God's power, more of God's refreshing, more of his Holy Spirit, then can I encourage you to receive from God today? All you need to do is hold your hands. You don't even need to do that, but you can hold your hands. shows a sign that you're ready to receive and you can receive from God today. And if you are on fire for God, then praise God. If you know him and you're passionate for his kingdom and his glory, then keep going. Keep following him. Keep trusting him. Keep being obedient to his call on your life and trust him for all that he has for you. And come and join us this week and pray into the things that God has laid on your heart that we might see his kingdom come more and more in our communities. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. And then we'll have an opportunity to respond. If you want to receive some prayer, we'll have a ministry team that will also pray with you as well. So Father God, we thank you that you are our Father. Hallelujah. We thank you that you have unconditional love for us, that you receive us with your arms open wide. And we receive your love right now. Just pray for a fresh impartation of your love right now, Jesus, in this place. Hallelujah.